and welcome to Get Political with your hosts Davina and Shamima. In this week's episode, we're going to be talking about feminism. Feminism to me is more about gaining equality to men in the workspace, in the home life, and just being having equal opportunities and things like that. Well, yes, but I think especially recently, feminism has become a bit of a dirty word. The I F do. word. I feel like you there's a say. lot of stigma around feminism, and people think it's all, oh, women are better than men, and blah blah blah. But that's really not what feminism is. Right. I, I've told people I'm a feminist, and they've said, "Why aren't you an equalist?" I used to. I'm so ashamed of this. I used to say, "Oh, I'm not a feminist." Blah blah blah. Why would I want to be a feminist? I didn't really know what it meant. That's not the point. The point exactly. is, you're I also feel like targeting people... the issues, and the issues are women being oppressed. Yeah. But for now, let's talk about the history of feminism. Feminism is talked about in waves. Waves meaning a specific time period in which a group of feminists fought for a specific thing. That was loud. Sorry. It's fine. The wave of feminism you might be most familiar with is first wave feminism, which is the suffragettes fighting for women's right to vote and own property and, you know, this, be treated like humans. This wave of feminism was mainly for middle class white women in their 30s. So even though they did get the vote in the UK in 1918 after the Representation of the People Act, Still, only women over the age of 30 who were married and met a property qualification were allowed to vote. Not very fair, is it? No. Well, after first, right, after first wave feminism, we come to second wave feminism. It was a movement starting in the 1960s. Um, and that was all about getting women cultural and social rights to go with the legal rights they already had. So. Second wave feminism involved the bra burners and uh, the hippies. That's probably where a lot of the negative stereotypes around feminists come from. Now, there was some progress in second wave feminism, but not enough. And that's where we come to third wave feminism. So. The third wave feminism refers to the more recent efforts led by women in the 1990s, which was more concerned with bringing equality for women of colour, for poorer Asian women, women, for poorer women, for people of other ethnic groups. Alright, so third wave feminism was all about expanding what it meant to be a feminist and who feminists spoke for. It wasn't just white women and middle class women anymore, it was poor women, and black women, and women of all, all the other ethnicity, ethnicities and religions. Then, finally, we have fourth wave feminism. So we're currently in fourth wave feminism, and it began around 2012. It's characterized around the empowerment of women, using social media and the internet to spread the word and spread the message of empowerment and intersectionality, which is what we talked about in um, 
second wave no third wave feminism that's the one you could call it feminism for the 21st century new modern better and it primarily just focuses on the representation in the media and online of women and online misogyny Uh, well let's talk about representation of women in the media An interesting case study of the issue of female representation in media is Gamergate. Back in, I think, 2010, there was a feminist game critic called Anita Sarkeesian, and she talked about the representation of women in media, specifically games. How if you play almost any game, the women are always big-breasted and wearing skimpy clothes. She talked about how that was because the games were catering to a male audience. They were meant for a male gaze to titillate. So that's really interesting that you say that. Because... But the more interesting thing, wait, shut up, you actually will be interested in this. The more interesting thing is the kickback to these videos she made about women's representation in media. Thousands of gamers started sending her death threats and talking and saying that they knew where she lived because they didn't want to be told that their games were not feminist approved. Or representing women accurately. Exactly. So that is precisely what fourth wave fem- feminism is trying to counter. So it's funny that you talk about the male gaze because in media we were learning about Richard Dyer who came up with the male gaze theory and how stereotyping um, comes from the patriarchy and comes from people in positions of power which traditionally were men because they were the only people who had real power back then and they created the stereotype so obviously every woman you see in media from the 1900s or earlier and old things like that it's created from the male perspective so it's not going to be accurate of who women are and are represented as more passive passive objects of male desire and it suggests that the female viewer must experience the narrative by identification with the male so like i was saying earlier it's when directors were mainly men and they are representing women from how they perceive women to be and much more sexually than they would mm. I mean it says, seems obvious to say that people and by people I mean directors make the movies they want to see if you're a male director the movies you want to see aren't wonderful representations of women's empowerment um, but I mean things have definitely gotten better we have more female directors than ever before even though only one female director has ever won an Oscar. Interesting. Um, How do you know that? I like films. Everyone likes films. She, it was, um, it was uh, Catherine Bigelow. She directed The Hurt Locker. It was about war. The only woman they give an Oscar to, she did a movie about war, which is the most man thing you can make a movie about. Um, so yeah, things have gotten better, but... It's not perfect yet, and I think a good example of that is in action movies. I'm a bit of an action movie fan myself, 
and uh, as much as I love to see um, Keanu Reeves punching people, I'll just say that. Yeah. As much as I like to see Keanu Reeves punching through alleyways full of ninjas. Also, the whole thing it's with hard to the find. Male... It's hard to find action movies starring a female lead. That's true. And if, even in action movies starring female lead. Lead, you'll always see they're wearing tight bodysuits that show their curves right, and their figure much more and they'll often be really um, stereotypically beautiful and a lot of the content will focus much more on their bodies and rather than them being the hero. Right, because it. as we... Well, and then of course you have these certain tropes in media, like uh, the damsel, the woman who needs to be saved by the man, have the mother. The woman who is strong, but only because she needs to protect her kids. You have the femme fatale, the sexy seductress, who ultimately... Always wearing red as well. And that always has like red lipstick on. That's a femme fatale thing. You're talking about... Oh yeah, well sort of. It definitely is a femme fatale thing to be sexualized Mm -hmm. and to use your sexuality to get things for men because the stereotype goes, that's the only way women can get anything through men, as manipulators. And in some ways, this goes all the way back to the beginning. I mean, it's the, it's the original sin, Eve taking a bite of that apple. And Eve that's blamed. Uh, well, you might say that they're sure. Bad to be objectified. It's bad not to be represented fairly, and it's bad that women in media are objectified and not represented fairly. I, but it's just the media, right? It doesn't matter. But it does. Right? But it does. The media is everywhere and it affects everything. It affects the way you think. You only think the way you think because of the things you watched and you've seen growing up. I mean, big surprise, we live in a society and we're part of that society and the things we see and observe. It's propaganda on a much larger, much more effective scale. Much more harmful scale as well. I mean, it's not always precise correlation. But I do think I mean, when people the... talk, when people are getting so paranoid about the Joker movie, making people go insane and start killing people, that was rubbish. But I do think but that the media can it does also, alter your thinking patterns. I, it does, but I also think that that's why it's so important. But the media can also be an effective tool to um, counteract that. Like the body positivity movement, which I mentioned earlier. It's a great thing which is counteracting the male gaze in I think, the media yeah. and tropes and stereotypes. people to listen and to hear and that's the most important thing because sometimes it all seems a bit depressing we're in a society that constantly objectifies women uses their bodies to sell products to sell movies uses women's bodies as a commodity and it's it really is everywhere but all hope is not lost because yeah I was, I'm trying to talk about how we can escape this paradigm by criticizing media and by thinking about it look the most important thing to do is to be aware to be constantly aware of the media you consume and what it's saying about women 
And once you've done that, you can be a better feminist and a better person. Chloe Kardashian, I don't know if you've heard about this recently, she deleted one photo of her naturally without it being edited and there's this whole uproar about it. Okay. Um, and I think it's because media really oppresses women for showing their real bodies and what it's really like and it's natural and there's a whole... Now there is a body positivity movement. Also, can I talk great. about how there's been so many yeah. studies done about how... People like pretty people better. Here is where we come to an issue. One of the defining issues of feminism, actually. Because I'm just as superficial as anyone else. I think pretty people are pretty. I appreciate pretty people. And so does everyone else. And that seems to be a biological thing. Something that has been programmed into us over years of the patriarchy not just the patriarchy evolution so the real question of feminism has always been what's thing why what is womanhood biologically what's womanhood because society has defined that we as womanhood will never, we will so never there's some people who say sure i'm all for equality i love it but there's are some things that you can't overcome i agree with that because Women will never be physically the same as man. Men will never physically be the same as women. Men are physically, genetically, biologically stronger than women. They're more likely to be faster runners and have physical better. Yeah, they're more likely to have better physical athletic abilities than women are. That's biological. Well, it's not about more than just physical stuff though. Whenever people talk about feminism, I think the immediate reaction is, well, boys can never, boys are always going to be better at athletics than boys women. Boys will be boys. Blah, blah, blah. That's not what feminism is about. Feminism is saying we want equal opportunities in the work, in the business industries, to be able to have the choice whether we want to stay at home or whether we want to go out. And men should also be able to be stay-at-home fathers or go out and work. Whatever both of us want, it's about having equal opportunities and being valued and respected the same. I shouldn't be respected less just because what I have got. Just for our anatomical differences? Well, I do think it's still important to ask. Maybe there is some biological difference, not just in our physical strength, but in our brains. I mean, you have all these articles about girls having a girl brain and boys having a boy brain, and that's yeah. well, that's Darwinism. ridiculous. But on the other hand, maybe there is something to the fact that women are more maternal. I was I was listening to a podcast about feminism last night. Of course, you were. And they were talking. One of the women was talking about Darwinism, and she she's a woman in science, and she agrees with Darwinism. And she was talking about how boys are naturally more competitive like that's the way their brains are wired and we're not um but i don't think that should put you at a disadvantage it in the doesn't necessarily thing. put you at a disadvantage and you sometimes could... competitiveness is bad you don't want to be but if you extremely look extremely competitive if you look at the breakdown of women who are stay-at-home mums versus men who are stay-at-home dads stay-at-home 
less number of women who are stay-at-home mums is much higher. So is that a societal thing? Is that because we've been told that that's the appropriate role for women or is that a maternal thing? I women think... have all those nice chemicals in their brain connecting them to their babies. I think I take psychology okay. as an A-level student. Yeah. So when we were learning attachment, we were studying the role of the father and in attachment, there's someone called your primary and your secondary attachment figure. Your primary attachment is the person who spends the most time with you and cares for you the most. And person the baby spends the most time with it doesn't matter what gender they are they the baby doesn't know the baby has no idea they actually found studies where um they compared kids attachment type and how they grew up with um both the nuclear family so that's when it's a mother a father and two two children yeah or any number um, of children. And they compared it with the attachment of gay families or lesbian families. And the child grew up completely fine and just the same, just as loved. There was no intellectual difference. There was no other difference. So the, the role of the father and the role of the mother, yes, they are different, but that I think that's much more a societal issue and not a basic instinct oh it's so hard to divide that though what's society what's human nature you can't know until we've overcome that i think it's a patriarchal issue yes that was an interesting word let's talk about patriarchy so patriarchy is a phrase it's very commonly used in feminism and essentially it's a description of how society has been shaped by men and how it's been shaped for men for hundreds of years and how that affects women's position in the world. Right. So when feminists talk about equality, what they're really talking about is smashing the patriarchy. So it's very important to understand the distinction between men, individual men, and the patriarchy. I mean, we all have brothers and fathers and they're not oppressing us, hopefully. But the patriarchy is. In fact, the patriarchy is oppressing men just as much as it's oppressing us. What the patriarchy really is, is just a system around which society has grown. And it's so much a part of the way we live that most of the time we don't even notice that it's there. I mean, People might say that we've achieved equality for men and women, and in many ways we have. Our suffragette form mothers would be delighted to see how far we've come. But, but have we come far enough? Is there total equality? Will there ever be total equality? Will there ever be total equality? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. On the one hand, there is that biological difference, and you can't overcome that. On the other hand, I like to think that I'm... I think it's just more about changing society's mentality about women and men. That's the hardest thing, isn't it? 
yeah, of course it is. It takes generations to overcome mentality and social influence. And obviously it has to, your belief might come from your parents and and it's passed on generations to generation and you need to, it will take a very long time to overcome that. But I think it's just about being respected equally, having equal opportunities and that's pretty much it, if I'm being honest. I'd like to make a controversial point. I think whatever the next wave of feminism is, and bear in mind, we're talking about fifth wave feminism, what comes after fourth wave feminism, whatever that looks like, it's going to include men. It's going to include men to a much more central degree than any other wave of feminism has before. Because... It has to. It has to because... If men are the people in power... It's not just about that. A lot of the time, men are just as oppressed by a patriarchal system as we are. I mean, the thing is... Yeah, patriarchy. Men, can't, men shouldn't cry. Yeah. Shouldn't show emotion. That all stems from the patriarchy. Exactly. Men not being allowed to be stay-at-home fathers. That stems from the patriarchy. People talk about the patriarchy much more in connection like, to women. They're meant to be because its impacts on women are much worse. I mean, think about Sarah Everard. So, the patriarchy's effect on women often includes violence, but that doesn't mean it's not just as damaging to men, but in different ways. I think we've said a lot about feminism, given an overview of what feminism has been through history. Now, bear in mind, this is only skimming the surface of what feminism is. There's lots of different types of feminists, like socialist feminists, radical feminists, conservative feminists. That's not a thing, mm. that's just Jessica. Okay. <laughs> um, liberal feminists. Postmodernist feminists. Absolutely. And I think we will talk about those... At some point in a future episode. talk about feminism more in detail. At this stage, it's important to educate yourself. The most common misconception about feminism is that it's one belief or one thing, and it's really not. It's just being a human. It's being a human in the world, and maybe wanting the world to be a little bit better. Okay. That's all from this episode of Get Political. Please join us next time when we discuss conservatism and liberalism. And don't forget to get political.